Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I absolutely love the last Sunday of the church here. One of those great law Sundays. I get to yell at you today. I look forward to it sometimes. It's a call for us to re-examine ourselves. It's a call for us to pray in, with, and under, and for repentance, not only for our lives, but everyone around us. And to deal with judgment honestly. Sometimes we call this the church, the, the Sunday of fulfillment. And the fulfillment that we look forward to is judgment. We look forward to the judgment. We look forward to that great and final day. That day when the separation will happen, when the sheep and the goats will finally be separated. We start our liturgical year out this year with Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, Advent 2, December 5th, 2021. Behold, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way for me. And the Lord to whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple. And the messengers of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But then we also fulfill our year in Malachi as well, pointing us to judgment. Verse 17, what we just read. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. This final visitation of Christ is what we look forward to. A time when everything and everyone in, with, and under heaven and earth will be placed under the Lordship of Christ. And we pray, forgive your people their offenses that we, being governed by your bountiful goodness, may enter at last into your eternal paradise. Forgive your people, O Lord. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, God addresses the people of Israel and thereby also us as well, you and me, through his prophet Malachi. God says, you speak hard against me. You talk trash about me, as the kids would say. You have slandered me and my name. You have embarrassed your God and you have defiled his name. Do you deny it? All of us, Christian and non-Christian. It'd be really easy to take this, this text and just go, well, he's talking about the Israelites. <laughs> we're better than they were. Except that we weren't and we aren't. Christian, non-Christian, everybody in our society is becoming more and more skeptical of the Christian faith. We see less and less value in the message of Christ. We think unto ourselves, who cares? What difference does it make? Is it really that big of a deal? I mean, first we had women preachers. This is just an illustration, by the way. Not just picking on women preachers, but we had women preachers and a bunch of us were like, so? Big deal. Who cares? Get with the times. It's the 1960s after all. About time we give women something to do around here so they stop causing trouble at home. After that, we went to gay preachers. 
And people said, well, what's the big deal? Who cares? Get with the times. About time we got them, them people doing something, right? And now we have transgendered preachers and people are like, woohoo! What's the big deal? Some of our Christian universities have gay-only chapel services. Isn't that awesome, right? Gay-only. If you're not a member of this sort of, this group, eh, maybe you should go to Sunday morning. Malachi chapter 3, verse 14. What is the profit there in keeping God's charge? God's law. Why bother? I mean, why bother with it? Who cares? I mean, literally, this is where we got there. People went, who cares? Why are you always so nitpicky about everything? Now, I'm sure you've seen the mass shoplifting events that we have, mostly in California, but they're happening all over the place. You get teens, men mostly, mostly men, not all of them, but mostly they're men. And you get a group of teens and they rush into a store and they just steal everything that they can carry and they just walk out with it. They do this at the liquor stores, too. They'll take big old duffel bags and come in with bats, and they'll just fill duffel bags full of liquor. Some people are like, all right, where's the party? A music festival they had last year had much to do with the very same thing. There was a bunch of kids, mostly in their 20s, 20-somethings, teenagers and 20-somethings. They either couldn't get tickets or decided they just didn't need to buy tickets. They grouped themselves together at the front doors of this music festival, and they just charged the gates, all of them mass, and just ran through the gates. You can't catch us all, right? What's the big deal? It's like driving on 95. You're doing 90 to 100 miles an hour, and you're thinking you can't catch us all. My friend Omero is a maintenance man at my church in Atlanta for our church and school had his truck stolen. It's Atlanta, it happens all the time, by the way. He had his truck stolen. Six months later, he sees his truck going down the, going down the road. He whips around, follows it, goes to confront the guy. The guy's like, You're, you've got to be mistaken. I'm so very sorry that you think this is your truck. This is my truck. And produced a bill of sale from a dealer. This wasn't like some backwoods sort of like, hey, buddy, you want a truck or you want a watch? No, he got this car from a dealer. Within six months, they stole his car, had it retitled, and sold it to a dealer who then sold it for a profit. He had already called the cops. The cops show up. They look at the bill of sale, and they're like, well, it's a legal bill of sale. And he's like, but it, it's, the VIN number matches my title, and the VIN number also matches his title, Somebody's wrong here. And the cops were like, well, you were insured, right? Yeah. He's like, well, I mean, you were, re you were compensated for your loss, you know, so keep that insurance up. And the cops just left. What profit is there in keeping God's charge? Why do we bother? Now we have election fraud. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe in election fraud. I'm, I'm not like the whole, I don't think whole international, you know, national elections are getting stolen, but dead people vote all the time. We know this happens. This is a fact. 
We know that it happens, and, and it seems like nobody can stop it. In San Bernardino, I saw this yesterday, I've got like handwritten notes in here yesterday. They found a whole bunch of ballots in San Bernardino County just dumped over a ravine. They just dumped ballots. And the election committee's like, well, we'll get to the bottom of that. We'll, we'll, we'll have an investigation. I'm telling you, mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting, is, it's just fraught with fraud. And we know it's fraught with fraud. What is the profit in there in keeping God's charge? Why do you get bent on, uh, so bent out of shape about all of this stuff? This is what Malachi is saying. Why walk as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Why do you let this stuff get on? Why be sad? I mean, why be sad? I have to say that to myself all the time. Why am I so sad? What do I care? What's the big deal? You can't catch us all, right? Verse 15, now we call the arrogant blessed, the evildoers prosper. Not only do they prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. They get away with it. And they get away with it because you simply can't catch us all. Why do good things happen to bad people? I mean, people abuse the Lord, they flaunt his justice, and nothing happens. And I'm like, where? Where is the lightning? Just a couple of really good lightning strikes. I want lightning strikes and pillars of salt. I want the earth to like swallow people up in front of the TV news and they get sucked into a well and you go, ha, 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 about time. And what's worse is we Christians begin to wonder, does it really make a difference? Does anyone care? Why am I paying my taxes? Why am I obeying laws? Are we, are we just being foolish? Are we just, do we just show ourselves to just be foolish by, by going, those are the rules. I'm going to follow the rules because those are the rules. The presiding bishop of the ELCA, Elizabeth Eaton, and I'm not just picking on the ELCA for the fun of it. I mean, granted, I will do that, but I didn't mean to do that today. She said in an article, if hell exists, it's probably empty. I was like, all right, she didn't say that. She didn't really say that. I had to look it up. Because I was like, that sounds like something those mean-spirited LCMS people would say. Because I know a couple of those people too, by the way. They just say mean things. Maybe they took her out of context or she was meant something else. I mean, I have no problem. You all know me. I have no problem with provocative speech. I will say dumb things to get you to listen to my whole argument. That's what she said. I had to look it up. It was there, right there in the Chicago Times, Chicago Times website, March 7, 2018. The head of a church says there is no hell, and if there is a hell, ain't nobody in it. If there's no hell and there's nobody in it, why are we here? Why are we not at brunch? I'm going to tell you, brunch is more fun than me. Right? We could be golfing. We could be watching a movie. We could be sleeping. All sorts of things we could be doing. Maybe that's why their church is shrinking. 
God brings charges against God's people via Malachi. In chapter 1, he says, Your priests despise my name. They offer unclean worship. Chapter 2, he says, Your teachers don't teach. They show partiality in their instruction. You have profaned the altar of God with your marred marriages. You have profaned the family of God with your divorces. Chapter 2, verse 3. I'll just read it to you just because I have the time. This is the second thing you do, that you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groanings because you're God, because you no longer regard his offerings. Or accept it with the favor from your hand. And you say, why not? Because the Lord has witnessed against you in the wife of your youth, of whom you have been faithless, although she was your companion and your wife by covenant. God did not make them one. Did God not make them one in the spirit with their union? What was God seeking but godly offspring? Guard yourselves, verse 16. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth, for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord. He covers her garments with violence, says the Lord. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. God's people have denied the Lord. We've denied the Lord. And we go, how? How have we spoken against you? Well, I'll tell you how you've just spoken against him. We have denied him as our creator. We have denied God as our provider. We have denied him as our judge. We have denied him as our defender. We skip church and act like nobody cares and it doesn't make any difference. We lie to our friends to spare their feelings and we act like nobody cares. We refuse to forgive as we have been forgiven. We leer at women and act like she didn't see that violence that we committed against her. Or worse, we blame her for wearing that low-cut dress and that short little skirt. We call men pigs, but then we still flirt with the cute ones. I'm told, I don't know, it never happens to me. We shop incessantly, we check our hair and our makeup 15 times a day. We covet that what doesn't belong to us. We're lazy with our evangelism. We're stingy with our praise. We badmouth God with our word and with our actions. And when God gets angry with us, we go, what is your problem? Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Judgment and condemnation upon Israel and upon us. But in every generation, in every generation, there is always a remnant. There's always those that God has reserved unto himself to be a light in darkness, to be salt unto the earth. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow, narrow is the way of Christ. God calls all. God earnestly desires to see all come to faith in him, and he will not force any of them or any of us to come to Christ. But you may. Come if you will. Malachi chapter 6 or chapter 3, verse 16. God paid attention to those who feared him. God treasured those who belonged to him. And he wrote their names in a book of remembrance of comfort and reassurance are theirs. Comfort and reassurance are yours in Christ. This is God's promise unto you. Behold, the days are coming that a remnant 
will be laid. A remnant will be spared a judgment day. This is a clear distinction between the righteous and the wicked will be established. Sheep and goats will be separated. Jesus' death is a down payment. Jesus' death is a payment for that debt of sin that you accumulated. And now you have been washed free by the blood of Jesus. And he is about to, again, strengthen your faith for the walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus' resurrection is the down payment on your redemption. Jesus' resurrection is your promise, God's promise to you that you will be resurrected. When Jesus was rejected by Jerusalem, Jesus was taken to Golgotha with a great number of people. The rulers went there to make sure that he was killed. The soldiers followed because they were just following orders, so they said. The religious authorities had nothing to say. Even those who believed in him had nothing to say and yet still went to watch him be crucified. There was a whole host of evildoers, sinners of every kind and stripe, and they walked by and they sneered at him and they wagged their fingers and they made faces. They stuck out their tongues at this man who was dying on a cross. Even women of Jerusalem went out to grieve. I'm sure some of them were crying out in protest, just look at this Roman violence done unto us. Jesus says, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves. For behold, the days are coming. Jesus was accepted by a small remnant of people, and they shall be mine, says God. They will be mine. The thief asks, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Behold, the days are coming, days of comfort and days of reassurance, and today you will be with me in paradise. The Christian faith is rejected by many today. Our generation is in outright denial and rebellion. Our marriage rate has plummeted. Our birth rate is down. Nobody can stand to be poor. We suffer from untold countless drugs. Our teachers don't teach. Our leaders don't lead. Our learners don't learn. Mental illness is skyrocketing in every category that you can actually measure. Hopelessness has become so pervasive that it's now become cool. To be hopeless and broken and tattered. And Christians are, we're, we're, we're tempted to see this. And we're tempted to say it's vain to serve the Lord, that it doesn't matter, that nobody cares. Look at the evildoers and look at how they prosper. They're doing great. They're out there and they're just doing wonderful. They're making money. They're living the good life. They got big houses and fast cars and their third, maybe even their fourth marriage. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. And that last day will be a life-changing experience. Our baptisms, our names are written in that book of remembrance. At the Lord's Supper, we are reassured of our place at the Lord God's table. He has given His Son for the forgiveness of our sins, and He has pledged Himself to us. And we have been strengthened. We have been strengthened. You're stronger than you think. You know the difference between right and wrong. You're not some dumb beast. You are a child of God. 
You are an heir of the kingdom of heaven. You have been selected by the Lord God, heaven and earth, and he has put his seal on you. You are my chosen ones, he says. And in many ways, we are living recognition of the distinction between, between the wicked and the righteous. We are a living distinction between salt and light. Salt tastes best on bland food. Light is most needed in the darkest of hour. You will be vindicated. It will be made clear and for everybody to see. And in those days and on that day, everything will come to light. That is God's promise to you. And in a generation where many say that it is vain to serve God, the hearers will see with and feel the cross of Christ and thereby stand with him by faith at his second visitation. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And his answer is, I will, and I do. In Jesus' name, amen.